Welcome to episode 114 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And Matt Casal. It's good to be back. It's only been a week, but it sounded good. Where were we? Just at our houses? Like we, every week we adjourn for a full seven days to come back rested and primed and ready to deliver the best podcast that we can. Because we spend all of it on every podcast that it takes a full seven days to recoup, to refill those tanks because we are the A-Team bringing podcasts to you every week. The three of us, unless one of us is on vacation or one of us gets sick. But mostly it's the three of us all year long and it is Monday night, July 27th. And tonight, for tonight's A-Team McSauce podcast episode, we're going to do a little mailbag. We put the call out to the fans today for some questions. What do you, the fans, want to hear us talk about tonight? What silly shit do you want to hear us talk about? We're going to get into some silly shit, and we're also going to get into some heavy shit, because that's what we do here. What is the heavy shit? We'll get there. Don't rush it. We're also going to talk a little what you've been reading, because I think we've all been reading some stuff that we're all pretty interested in. It's summertime. We have our summer reading lists. That's true. But before we get into all that stuff, we like to keep house with Ian Sharpley. A mix of the silly, a mix of the heavy. You like your shits silly and heavy? You can find them. We're a good mix of... DC and Marvel movies. We're joyless and we're joyful. It's like a cream pie, but full of like death. Shaving cream, maybe? Shaving cream's pretty serious. Barbasol. <laughs> the most serious of all shaving creams. Help them out. So, what else is on the housekeeping agenda, Ian? The serious, the silly can all be found at mixos.com. If you go to mixos.com, you can check out the comic strips, the reviews, and the podcast that always features the A-Team on Wednesdays. You can go to iTunes, the store, and download our wonderful podcast. You can also go to stitcher.com. You can stream there. You can download their app for your mobile devices and take it anywhere that you'd like. Stitcher's actually been working way better than the iTunes store. I don't know if any of you guys have had problems listening to any of your podcasts through the iTunes store. It always has been giving me episode is unavailable or something like that in the past two weeks. I listened to Fireside Chat today and got a little explanation that I guess iTunes has been having trouble. They've been only loading the last 20 episodes. So a few days ago when I tried listening to We Hate Movies, a couple episodes were missing because it was only the last 20 and I thought that was maybe their setting but I guess iTunes has been having trouble so stick with it Uh, iTunes will resolve the problem you'll have multiple episodes further back than our last 20 before long don't get discouraged you can go to Stitcher and stream it if you're having problems you can also go to mixsaucepodcast.libsyn.com and you can find the entire catalog of McSauce offerings there. 
Today, we are doing a mailbag segment where we asked our fans for some questions because we didn't have anything to talk about. Except for the latest in the Rob Liefeld saga. For those of you new to the McSauce comic book podcast, and shame on you for not having listened to Quick sooner. review. Quick review. Quick review. Uh, I went up to Rob Liefeld uh, when McSauce was at the um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia Comic Con, May 7th, May 7th 2015. Uh, that Almost is four months ago. Um, For those of you mathematicians what? out there. May, June, July. Almost three Almost months ago. Almost months ago. Uh, so, I... Don't shake your head at me, you son of a bitch. I paid Rob Liefeld to do a commission for me, uh, which he did do, but he he left the convention early. Earlier than I realized he was going to, and with him he took my sketch that I had paid for. Uh, I had several back and forths with him through Twitter to try to get my my sketch, uh, which he said he would send to me once I sent him payment to his PayPal, which in and of itself was uh, an adventure to, to even get that information. Finally got him his money, and I still hadn't received my convention sketch yet. Um, so finally he said, send me your address to my website. I did. Um, and then he said that... Uh, that he was packing and shipping the um, the said comic book convention sketch. That was on um, June 25th. Uh, what is today's date, Ian? July 27th. So it's Remember been, at the beginning of the show when we call that? I'm here to remind the, uh, the listeners in case they tuned you out there in the beginning. Oh! We'll be fair. We lost oh. him in housekeeping. That's a burn. All right, so it's been over a month now. I wanted to wait a full month because I still haven't gotten the sketch. I think it's time to reach out to Rob Liefeld and see what's the deal. It's He's had my $200 for... $215. $215 for almost three months to do God knows what with it. Who knows what he's up to? You could probably get... Standard rub and tug for two fifteen. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Where 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 would one go for such a thing? Rubmaps.com, oh. where they review rub all rubandtugs.com. Our next venture after mcsauce.com goes under. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what I wanted to do tonight was uh, live on the show. Send Rob, Mr. Liefeld. A tweet, a follow-up tweet, um, to get to the bottom of where in the world is my sketch. Um, we got to keep on him because he's going to forget, right? So, 90s comic book icons are a forgetful lot. Yeah, that was, that was my, my point last time, is that you can't, you can't stop getting on his ass about this because at some point... The connection is going to be broken, and then you're going to be like, oh, hey, Rob, go me a sketch, and he's going to be like, who? Who are you? And I it never may not even before. be purposefully douchebaggy, <clears throat> but, you know, you got to just, you got to keep on. Right. I I don't care if I'm annoying Rob Liefeld at this point. <laughs> I, Fuck no. I really don't. Um, so, like, two weeks ago, we were going to do this, but we were like, you know what, let's... 
I, I think it was last week we were gonna do it, or maybe it was. I don't know if it was two weeks. Let's ago. let's wait for the the round month, one month, so that way we can say, hey, it's been one month. We're not fucking around with. It's been three weeks. Right. It's been three weeks and two days. Do I point that out it's that been it's one been a month? Full month. And do I post it right there on Twitter? So, the summary of what we're dealing with is one month ago, Rob Liefeld said, I mailed you your print, your he sketch. Was, he was packing and shipping. I'll tell you exactly what he said. And it never came, hasn't come. He never specified the method of shipping. It could be on carrier cat. He could have sent a cat across I, the United States. I with- sent Rob Liefeld a message at 11.45 a.m. on 6.25. I said, did you get my address? I resent it on your site. So, <laughs> second time I had to send my address. Let me send it back. What site? He responded 10 minutes later and said... Right around lunchtime. Received packing slash sending. How do I follow up to that? And do I follow up to that message directly or send a new one? I think I can... I I think you should follow up to that one. I agree. Directly, because he'll be able to see that, oh shit, I did say this. That's right. Okay. So we're going to... How I would like you to start is to say, Hey, buddy. I'm calling Rob Liefeld, buddy. Oh, we're fucking tight at this point. We're comfortable with buddy at this point. Buddy softens everything. Because if you don't put buddy in there, people might think that you're angry with them. So, so even though you are angry with him, take buddy right out of there. Buddy Nobody. softens things like the smiley face at the end. You could say, I'm going to fuck your mother and her ass tonight. Smiley face. And it's like, oh, that's okay. Now, do I say, hey, buddy, or hey, bud? Or I could say, hey, man. Hey, man. Well, hey, man. Well, no, no, no. Hey, man. See, I feel like Is hey man aggressive. too aggressive? Well, how does, we, when you read hey, when you see hey, man, how do you read it? Does how do Deadpool read it? or Rob Liefeld creation have a catchphrase like this. Like, if he created Wolverine, I'd say, say, hey, bub. Hey, bub. But he didn't, you can, so... You have to tag it with something chimichanga. Is that... But does Deadpool have something else? Does some wild no. cast thing or young blood or something have a catchphrase, something that you can work into this? Chimichanga's the best. I could be like, holy chimichanga, where's my... Where's my... <laughs> convention sketch <gasps> yes <laughs> Rob I still haven't received my convention sketch hashtag you deadbeat <laughs> I mean Deadpool <laughs> no I, I so I can be like dear deadbeat creator I mean Deadpool creator I, I think we go with Holy chimichanga. I still haven't received my sketch. Okay. Holy... How do you spell chimichanga? And do I capitalize chimichanga? No, you can't yell in this this message. 
Holy chimichanga. I still haven't It's received. spelled just the way you think it's spelled. I still haven't received C-H-I-M-M-M-M-C-H-I-N-G-G-G-A. Have you sent it yet? See, now we're in this weird situation. Where everything is passive aggressive. No, not even that. We're in this weird time situation where he's going to be at Wizard World Pittsburgh with us in September. So now it's almost like, you know what, pal? Hang on to it. Bring it to Pittsburgh. I'll pick it up there. Because it's only a couple months away. Do you want to soften it with that? Uh, okay. Holy chimichanga, I still haven't received my sketch. Bring it to Pittsburgh. But it's okay. Because we'll be it was a World Pittsburgh with you. We'll, wait, or we'll also Wait, this be. is a tweet. We'll also we, this is a tweet. That's a wordy-ass tweet. He never gave me his email address. Oh, so we well, yeah, this. absolutely. Okay, so this Can you break, be, break it up into I two tweets? Could, I, I thought you were DMing him at this point. No, because no, he never followed me. He never him. followed me, so... All right. Break it into two tweets. Nah, let's, no, let's keep yeah. it one. Keep it uh, to let's one. keep it at one. Let's keep it at one. You can say what I you mean. I can get rid of holy chimichanga. No, that's how he knows it's funny. I'm going to write this with you. <laughs> Just to make sure. Well, we gotta holy... Okay, here's what I got. Holy chimichanga. I still well, have... Well, where's, where's Rob... Is, is it at, it's at Rob Liefeld first, right? Robert... At Robert Liefeld. Yeah. Robert? Robert. How official. Yeah. Oh. Holy chimichanga, I still haven't received my sketch, but that's okay. You can give it to me in Pittsburgh when you do an interview with the Mc- hashtag McSauce comic book podcast. This is great. I say yes. I do you say, like how I just say, I say this is it. what you're going to do? Like... But fuck him for delaying something that's super fucking easy for him to do. You can... How many times has he mailed something to one of his fans? I don't know. Successfully never. It seems like never. (laughs) I say... I say go with that. I say that's a good... It doesn't fit. It's not going to fit. That's Um, why I said break it into it. I don't don't know if we want to tell him you're He's doing, doing an, <laughs> an interview. I think that's probably something we can bring up. Okay, well, that, that could be a potential follow-up. Um, okay, so I haven't received my sketch. Um, can How about... Would, can you bring it to Pittsburgh and give it to me then? In September. I think that's fair. This is terrible podcasting, by the way. Yeah, this is is awful. Type and scroll. I say that's a good thing to do. If you want to sit on it and send it after the show. No, no, this is going during the show. And who knows? We may get a response during the show. That's true. Send it. I say send it. Can you bring it to Pittsburgh and give it to me in September? 
I'm, and I'm gonna put thanks T H X. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We feel good about this. So this is the final tweet. Holy chimichanga! I still haven't received my my sketch. Can you bring it to Pittsburgh and give it to me in September? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, send. It's tweeted. There we go. It is tweeted. There it is. You can't recall that. In the ether. Gone. In the tweether. Oh. So, now that we've taken care of that business, why don't we get to some of our mailbag questions? Um, Do you want me to go? Yeah. Yeah, I want you to go. I want you to lead us off. Fuck yeah, man. What do you got for us? Well, let's take a look here. And go through the mailbag. Dig around in the mailbag. Teresa asks... What did she ask? What, what are your spirit animals? Teresa? Teresa. Who's Teresa? Teresa is the sister of this podcast's fourth wheel, Dom Yossi. Ah, okay. Big fan of the show, Teresa. Has Teresa downloaded every episode? If there's anybody that has, it probably would be her. That's that's a super fan. Super fan Teresa asks, "What are your spirit animals?" Mine is Jareth from Labyrinth. That is David Bowie, correct? Correct. The gayest spirit animal of all time. No spirit animal has ever had tighter pants. Yep. I could see the semen. In his balls, I, those pants. You're were just so confusing tight. it with the general white color of those spandex. I don't know what a spirit animal is. I don't either. And Paul, you did a strip about spirit animals. Is that a Harry Potter thing? I or did what? a comic strip about spirit animals. I didn't do a strip tease about spirit animals. I don't think anybody took it that way. But I thank you for clarifying. Well, what have you I done striptease to? I am a terrible dancer. I don't do strip teases. Thank God. So clarify for the listeners and me and Matt. Spirit animal, what is it? A spirit animal is generally an animal. But for the purposes of this podcast and this question, we're going to extend the realm of nerddom characters. It doesn't have to be an animal, but you can give your animal if you want. But it's the creature that best personifies... Who you are at a base level. Hmm. So, Paul, since you... Yeah, why don't you go first? ...have a clear definition of what this is, what would be your spirit animal? My spirit animal would be me. Oh, how fucking egotistical of you. Why would it be you? Lazy answer. Handsome. Fantastic hair. Funny. Terrible. Cheeky. Excellent tongue for licking things if you've listened to last uh, episode. Uh, can I we lick, have you not I lick, lick any anything? things? You lick everything. That's right. Who doesn't like that? Nobody. So, let's get serious for a second. Okay. If I'm picking a comic book character, if I'm picking a movie character... What would my spirit animal be? My actual animal would be a tiger. 
I've loved tigers since I was a kid, since I was a little boy at Kennywood Park. People would be like, tigers at Kennywood? you want to ride the horses that go up and down on the merry-go-round? And I would say, no, I want the stationary tiger. Because you can fool me with that horse shit up and down on the horses. But the tiger would still eat them in about three seconds, even though it's stationary. So just tiger in general, like the ferocity of the tiger, that's that's what does it for you? The power. It's the real king of the jungle. There have been plenty of studies that have said that the ti- a male tiger would take down a male lion in like half the time that it would take a lion to take down its largest prey. Like tigers are the real king of the jungle. Don't be fooled. How is that? Like- uh, this was going to be my question, but... So you're saying you were the king of the jungle? I just like them. They're pretty. <laughs> I like their stripes. Maybe that wasn't. My question is, how does that relate to nerddom and nerd culture? Do you have a particular tiger in mind that you'd like to use? Any tiger? Lots of tigers. I have, a, I have two in my head right now. I would like to use Cringer. Cringer. Not Battle Cat. Also known as Battle Cat. Because... Ideally, he's he's a pussy. He's going to draw some pictures and he's going to talk some shit. But when he's confronted, he's going to bring the heat. And that's me. I'm generally a pussy, but when confronted, I bring that heat. Also, great tongue on Battle Cat. Lick the shit out of some shit. Disgusting. Dude, that's that rough, like, tongue. You know, like the cat tongue. Gets it done. Presses that button, son. What? Okay. I also choose tiger. You you can't. I can. No, you have I, to pick something else. I already picked it. It's my spirit. You want it's your panther? Spirit panther. panther. Come on, black panther. I'm, I'm, I'm going tiger. I'm Why going... did you have to make it a black panther? I know. Because that's the symbol of his people. Tiger is powerful. Well, be, well, I'm not going with the whole ferocity, king of the jungle, powerful thing that you were going for. I'm going for a specific tiger. Hobbs. He's, he's whimsical. He's, he's thoughtful. He's a caring, good friend that knows how to have a good time. I'm going with the tiger, Hobbs. Matt? Hobbs is the friend zone tiger. He's, he's a good companion, always looking out for his buddies, and I feel that that characterizes me. That's a great answer. I... Well, you don't, you don't have a... Like, well, what tiger sorry. would you be, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> what tiger would you be, and then what comic book character would you be? Uh, I would be... What, ti- what else is there? Tony Tiger. Tigra? Thundercats? Yeah, I'm not a Thundercats um, guy. No. Jeez, oh man. You don't, so you don't like Transformers, and you don't like Thundercats. Hmm. Why don't you like Thundercats? Did Tony fucking because like Thundercats? Uh, no, I, I kind of did, but you had, at the same time, you had Thundercats and He-Man. You don't like things that well, take place in similar styles of your favorite thing. Maybe not. Be, yeah, you know what? I think you might be right. Why would I like... 
Thundercats when He-Man exists and it's so much better. Because you can have different. Because it doesn't have to meet the high level that He-Man, although looking back, maybe Thundercats was a little bit better written than He-Man. I'm going to say way better. Yeah, Thundercats had had a more direct mythology to it. Like you knew what was happening. It was more organized. Mm He-Man, they were just throwing shit at the wall just even the pure charm of the entire thing is what made it stick but thundercats had a more streamlined mythology and this is where these people are from and this is what happens and this is how the magic and technology works but i think they were just better written better acted episodes because they had they already had he-man to build off of true he-man was first foundation of thundercats but you can have two it's not a it's not a competition Matt likes competition. I do. You. Star Wars, Star Trek. Star Trek's similar. Fuck Star Trek. Same with... Do you like GoBots? You like GoBots, don't you? GoBots. Well, I liked the toys because they were... You could transform them. It didn't, like... You could play with them. You know, oh, I have Leader One. He's flying. And then quickly turn him into a robot and keep playing. Whereas, like, with Transformers, you have Optimus Prime, like, driving around. You're like, okay, it's time for him to be a robot. Pause the play story for, like, <laughs> the worst, you, you The cl- worst example you could you, use. You, you click them upright. How long it's going to take to transform a Transformer? If you would have used Trailbreaker, That's what I, I would have been say. with you. Or I meant to say Trailbreaker, Trailbreaker was or a jazz. fucking... Puzzle. Jazz was a nightmare. Oh, come the Those hands, oh. his arms folding up? No. Trailbreaker was tough, prime easy, jazz easy, all the cars were easy. Even if you would have used one of the jets. I meant Trailbreaker, everyone knew that. Optimus Prime, a simple click up, stand upright, open those arms up, flip the head up, done. So Matt's lazy. No, I don't want stupid fucking transforming to get in the way of playing with the action figures. With getting in the, the way of the action. Transforming. I've almost choked him many times in these last 114 episodes. This may be the one. It, it blows my mind that you don't like Transformers. And you don't like Thundercats. Thundercats was fun, man. It Did, was a well-animated Matt's, show. What's that spirit animal? I don't know. What is it? We're interrupting him. What? I don't know. I I really don't. Who's your spirit He-Man character? Who do you most relate to? Well, He-Man was my favorite, but he's not very animalistic. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Teresa picked fucking David Bowie from Labyrinth. Wasn't he kind of cat-like or no? He was. Didn't he ch- wait? Didn't he change into something into something at the end? No, it doesn't matter. Pick a He-Man character. Who's the He-Man character you best related to? Um, just evolved so quick that I best realized. He's evolved. I would say He-Man. Yeah. When I was a kid, I had a fucking great tan. You it was like, amazing. Not so much right now, but last week. You had a great tan. I Did think I it's look because of You had a great tan last week. I think it's because of that convertible. You roll around it. I think it is too, because my legs don't look good, but like my face yeah. and my arms, yeah, those are nice and tan. I was like, Ian, what's up? Oh, you're Matt. In my mind, He Man changed ethnicities whenever he was hit by well, he, lightning. Because he, he got a tan. Because Adam was a crazy. Well, he he was biracial. And He Man was Mexican. 
biracial, blonde, weird Mexican. blonde hair. <laughs> Prince Adam was German, and and He Man was Mexican. All right. Everyone knows this. Okay. All right. So we totally mutilated that question. What's um, the next one that we next can question? fucking destroy? I don't think we destroyed that question no. at all. I think we we got down to the core all right. of who we are as people. Yeah, the next question. The next question. A Mary fuck kill question. A staple of this franchise. <laughs> I like that one. He's everyone, excited. everyone should know. Before we started the episode, Matt looked down his nose at me and said, "I knew you'd like this question." He didn't say it like it that. It was. He did. It was dripping with condescension. I had to wipe my face because I had condescension. You had to lick all your over. fucking yeah. face. You had to, from, yeah, you had to wipe because you licked your face. Brian asks, Mary fuck, kill Tony Stark, Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker. Matt, why don't you kick us off? I would. Mm. <laughs> oh, is this tougher than you thought? Oh, no. If you're fucking one of them, you're you're giving it to them. They're not giving it to you. <laughs> Is this would it be a deal breaker if they fought? Would you prefer to be fucked by one of these characters? No, I wouldn't prefer. But I I got it. I think we need to assume it's a give and take. Like if, whoever you're fucking, like you're like both, they're blowing you, and you're getting it in the ass, and you're giving it in the ass. Tony Stark, Bruce Wayne. Peter Parker. Alright, so... Ass stuff. Let's get the fucking out of the way first. I'd probably fuck Bruce Wayne. Because... I think... Um... He doesn't have superpowers. So, he's not gonna hurt you too bad. And he's probably gonna be into, like, less freaky shit than Tony Stark. So it's just going to be all business with him, and then it'll be over mercifully. Kill, I would probably kill Peter Parker, um, because I would prefer to marry Tony Stark. They were talking Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, because I think, I think he would be more entertaining, personally. A lifetime of hopeless alcoholism and... I said Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark, not the comic book Tony Stark. If we're talking so, comic book Tony Stark, you fuck Bruce Wayne, kill Peter Parker, marry marry Robert Downey Jr. Well, the other caveat there is, we're, I'm not signing a prenup, and I'm gonna like divorce get half, him instantly. Well, maybe, but even if I stay with Tony Stark, I get half of his money, and I can buy shit, and he's a bajillionaire. I don't know if he's as rich as Bruce Wayne or richer. I'm not really sure, but. Yeah, that's what I would do. Peter Parker has no place in, in my life. Ian, do it. I kill Bruce Wayne because he's a psychopath that clearly has mommy and daddy issues. And I don't want to deal with it. That's that. such a Hobbs answer. I don't want to deal with it. It's going to get even more Hobbsy. <laughs> I'm, I'm out for uh, a good time tonight. I already know where this is going. Who do I want to party with? I want to party with Tony Stark. So we're going to go out. We're going to have couple mojitos <laughs> we're gonna get a little tipsy and then we're gonna go back and make some sweet fuck 
that's what we're gonna do. And then I'm gonna go, I'm gonna find that that school teacher, the school teacher version of Peter Parker. I got really dirty. And I'm gonna him and I'm gonna dress up in a skirt. I'm gonna marry him and I'm gonna make him fuck him too. I'm gonna fuck him too. I'm gonna make him dress up for me, and he'll do it because he has a heart of gold. And he'll do it. He'll want to please you. He's gonna tie me. Take care of daddy. He's gonna tie me up in his spider webs and marital bliss. So that's where I go. Interesting. That's interesting. I could have seen that coming a mile away, Hobbs. That's why it's my spirit animal. I'm gonna kill Peter Parker because I'm in this for the long game. Peter Parker has nothing to offer me that the other two guys can't. Kill Peter Parker. I'm gonna fuck Tony Stark because I know he's gonna do me right. Let's party. We're gonna do this thing and we're gonna do it properly and we're both gonna have a good time. And then I'm gonna marry Bruce Wayne because he's gonna be so obsessed with being Batman, he's gonna let me do whatever I want. I'm gonna get all that Wayne money and I'm gonna go get to live the life of debauchery and depravity that I've always wanted. Until the Joker shows up Blow and fucking kills you. Paul Wayne. <laughs> Paul Wayne. <laughs> Paul Wayne. Wayne. Ian Parker. <laughs> and Matt Stark. Matt Stark. Matt Stark. <laughs> I really didn't think that we were all going to go in three separate ways, but that worked out pretty well. And finally, from our good friend Justin, who has appeared on this show many times, he wants to know, has the McSauce team ever found inspiration from a particular artist? If so, has that artist inspired you to produce any work? that has a hint of that artist's style or any of that influence in your work? And I thought that was a pretty interesting question. Who influences us here at the McSauce Comic Book Podcast? Matt, do you have any big influences that we haven't? I know you do. Are these strictly comic book artists as influences or artists? I took it. He's saying comic book. My answer is artists. Well, yeah, I do. I, I have, especially lately, um, there's a couple artists that uh, that I, I admire greatly and I aspire to produce work on a, on a caliber that, um, that they would be proud to call their own, but I'm light years away from ever achieving that but the two guys in particular are uh, Pittsburgh's own Brian Holderman Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him but he has a a kind of a cool almost Bruce Tim style and I could have went with the easy choice Bruce Tim Bruce Tim influenced everybody and he's the best blah 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 but I'm gonna go with Brian Holderman Uh, he's a bit of a designer slash illustrator um and uh he is just remarkable his stuff has like kind of a vintagey feel to it sometimes it has almost a maybe a mexican vibe to it in in some capacity but it's very colorful it's very graphic and i absolutely love it uh the other guy 
would be uh, Ragnar. I don't know him by any other names other than just Ragnar, R-A-G-N-A-R. And he draws strictly in vectors, which is kind of like what I do as well. Um, but this guy is a master. He is incredible. And um, if I could be like any of those guys, either one of those guys, I would be really, really happy as an artist. I may have missed the first part of this question because I was making a PP. But is that who you want to be, or is that who has influenced what you currently do? Well, uh, okay, that, that's a good clarification. I would say that Ragnar has influenced who I am as an artist greatly. Um, I would say that Holderman is something that I would aspire to be like. Uh, I take inspiration from him, but not quite as directly as Ragnar. I mean, just the medium that I use compared to what Ragnar uses, we use the same thing. We use vector graphics. They're both pretty different. They're different, but they're similar in the fact that they're very, very graphic. Uh, and, and I think that yes. that's like, you know, if we're painting in broad strokes here, I feel like that is a, um, like, the basis for, like, the kind of style that I like and that I am. I try to have a very graphic approach to the things that I that I do, big and bold. Um, even as like a in my day job as a graphic designer, I I try to be like that. Um, so yeah, those guys are. I mean, well, Ragnar is a big influence, but Holderman's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, I think they're, um, no, I wouldn't doubt this in any way that these would be influences of yours, knowing what your art looks like. Yeah. Ian, who influences you? Man, I wish that I could be like any of the influences that I had. Um, Todd McFarlane, as listeners of the show know, is a huge influence to me just the the action the excitement that he brings to the page uh the way that he everything is always in motion that's something that i wish that i could always bring to the the art that i have um frank cho is a and the way that he draws women is always ins inspirational to the me the way that he draws dinosaurs and gorillas and dirty, filthy things. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm anything like any of these artists because I'm not of that caliber. Well, um, your art doesn't look like McFarlane or French. No, no, so it doesn't. So what do you think your art does replicate? Gee, I mean, like, it's... It's, it's not really close to any of the comic artists that I follow or really like. Um, as Matt brought up before, Bruce Tim does influence everything. I think that that all of us do here at some level. Darwin Cook also is a is a huge influence on some of the things that I do. I wish that I could have the type of uh, you know thought in uh, into my panels in the way that the storytelling aspect that Darwin Cook has with. But we're coming at storytelling from a completely different angle than Darwin Cook is. Darwin Cook's normally telling a huge comic book story. Yeah. We're telling a three-panel comic strip. 
Right. And if we're so going those to are different tools, like you wouldn't yeah. necessarily use Darwin Cook style for that, nor would you use Bruce Timms even. No, and, and I'd say I I would say that if it came down to it, the person that influenced really the way that um, the way that I do everything, it's not a comic book artist. I mentioned it earlier uh, with Hobbs. Bill Watterson is probably the person that influences me the most. Um, Bill Watterson's the person that taught me how to how a joke functions and how you break it up into those those different panels, the way that his Sunday comics looked and just how different they were and how they 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 spread throughout the page where every other strip was pretty standard and and what he brought to it the way that the different styles that he had in one strip it could look like a Prince Valiant thing the next it could look like it was something from outer space his spaceman spiff tail his flexibility the way that he was able to tell his stories was always something that I held on to. Bill and Watterson is the, the best. He I mean, really is. He made, Paul won't agree with this, but I know this is an opinion, but it's a fact. He made the greatest comic strip series of all time. It, it was hilarious, heartfelt. It was It was everything that you would ever want. And it was consistently good from the first day that that strip ever came out until the final day in, what was it, 94 or 5. Does the fact that he never licensed that out play into that opinion? Because it is just an opinion. Uh, no. I, I mean, there's a big part of me that almost wishes that he had licensed it out. You know, I wish that maybe there was a Calvin <clears throat> and Hobbes movie. It would be fucking great. You don't know that. I don't know what. That it would be great. Well, I'm assuming... The the legend of Bill Watterson and Calvin and Hobbes, I think, is built up by the fact that he never licensed it out. But I we think never got official plush toys. We never got an animated show. That we has never got no, a cartoon. That has no bearing on the quality of the strip. But what, the some of what that makes the strip the strip... Go ahead, Ian. I wasn't going to talk at all. I was just going to retort. Go ahead. Well, no, go ahead. No, I think Paul was... Paul, make your point, and then Ian will go. But Peanuts mm-hmm. is a beloved strip mm-hmm. that ran for years that has a bigger fan base and more love for it because of the animated specials. So, you know, maybe if Watterson licensed it out, that would have similarly changed the Calvin and Hobbes strip. Some of the reason why Calvin and Hobbes is so beloved is because it only came from one creator. There was only one voice, and Watterson's hermitness or shut-inness, his reclusiveness, his Axel Rose-ness. Is Axel Rose a recluse? Well, he didn't. He's he didn't drink wine while Montreal was burning, ever. But is that, they're both reclusive. Axl Rose went out with an entire band that was not Guns N' Roses and called it Guns N' Roses. That's right. a little different than Bill but Watterson. Outside of I never perf- thought we would be comparing Axl Rose. But outside to Bill of performing on stage, Axl Rose is reclusive by nature. Maybe that's a deep cut. I'll have to go with you on. We that. don't know what Axl Rose does in his free time. We never see him in the media. We know what he does in his professional time and that is suck at singing 
I think that because there was only one voice, it it makes it more special to the fans of Calvin and Hobbes. Aside from that... And, it, and that lends to my theory that the fact that it wasn't licensed out is what makes it a little bit more special. Could be. I, I don't think that it's that for me at all. What it is is every strip that was produced was so high-level quality that... Um, no other strip could like compare you know like it, it, there's almost like eh, some are kind of good some are not nearly as funny but calvin and Hobbes was like consistently at this like the bar was set really high and it was always there and and but that's that's, a, that's a, your opinion yeah I, I said that um and that's why but when we so, first started talking about this you said calvin and Hobbes is the best comic strip and that's a fact. Well, I was being facetious, but um, I I do think it's the best comic strip of all time. I think it was, like I said, consistently great. I can't say that about any other comic strip. I can't. I don't know if anyone can. Like, if they're being honest with themselves. Like... I don't think the Peanuts was consistently great. Like, I've read Peanuts before. Some are just like, oh, okay, that was kind of boring. Well, that's the way I feel about Calvin and Hobbes. I've read the entire three hardback compendium, and some of them are just okay. And some of them are great. Same with every weekly, daily comic book strip. Some of them are going to be awesome, and some of them are going to be bad. Because... I don't that's care. the nature of producing content. Exactly. That's the nature of a daily strip. That's the nature of the beast. You are not going to deliver 100% okay, okay. every I am day speaking... for as many years as Watterson or Gary Larson or right. Charles Schultz let me, did. Let me clarify. What I'm saying is within thinkers. the context of comic strips at large, it like was consistently way up here, whereas like there was much more of an ebb and flow to anything else like I it's just the way it is I think it took a different approach to its characters than maybe some of the other contemporaries and even comic strips afterwards it, it also like Calvin wasn't just this mischievous asshole kid he had a lot of layers to him same as Hobbes and all the parent characters had different things going on with them that is a lot of those strips that were out at that time that were similar to it didn't convey those kind of emotions. There's a lot of soul and a lot of heart to all of the Calvin and Hobbes strips that you didn't get anywhere else and you don't get in a lot of other places. And I think that's the main driving... That's one of the driving reasons why I liked it was it got a lot of different things out there, a lot of different emotions. There, there is. But I feel you can also say that about Peanuts. You can also say that about even Garfield because they all came from the same place the same mindset and it's from different eras different ages different people Calvin and Hobbes echoed with you guys a lot differently than fucking something like Hagar the Horrible did but even something like Family Circus someone is fighting the same argument that you guys are fighting for that strip as you are for Calvin and Hobbes the difference is those people aren't actually fighting about it 
the way that I'm just stating an influence of mine that turned into an argument somehow. Is it because I'm argumentative? Is it because of that? Alright, I, I use I use the wrong word. This is not an argument. This is just a comic book this is a comic strip discussion. <laughs> Funny how it turned into unlike, an argument. Unlike your texts, they do not just show up immediately argument roll back the tape everybody was <laughs> i arguing and turning this into a no I, I i didn't i didn't mean to say arguing we're not we're not arguing i'm just you, playing i'm playing devil's advocate because you guys are such advocates for calvin and hobbs because right. i want to present a different angle for this trip all i'm saying is that i love calvin and hobbs too i enjoyed every fucking second of reading those hardbacks that you let me what if I'm they weren't a billion dollars, I don't know myself. What I'm saying is, the thing that influenced me the most is Bill Watterson and Calvin and Hobbes. My art, my artistic style, the way I think about the world, the way that I construct jokes. That's a big one, Ian. And I think it's kind of underrated the way that he constructs jokes because they're they're told differently in his strip than any other strip. So there have been copycats since, but up until that McSauce. point, right? Yeah. And, and, and Foxtrot and, and countless others, there, there's a style to the joke telling with like the, the different beats, the way that like the, the final panel almost has like two jokes in it with the way that the characters are kind of like playing or not playing off one another for the final thought balloon or word balloon. Um, whereas I feel like in, in comic strips like Peanuts, uh, the 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 punchline or the payoff was was very direct, and it wasn't um, as nuanced as it is in in Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, and a lot of the time, it's very saccharine. It's very like artificially sweet, especially something like Family Family Circus. Uh, whereas in Calvin and Hobbes, I feel like the heart in it feels much more natural. Feels much more real. It feels more relatable. There's a strip that comes to mind where Calvin and Hobbes are laying in bed and they're going to sleep and Calvin's upset he can't go to sleep, he's worried about all these things and he spends probably upwards of five to seven panels talking out loud about how he's upset and all these things are bothering him and he looks over and, and Hobbes is sleeping and Calvin can't tell and he says, Hobbes, that's why because you're my- he's a stuffed tiger. If for those without heart or imagination he is a stuffed tiger for those that only live on tiger blood ferocity and aggression sure that and he looks over at Hobbes and he said you know thanks for listening that's why you're my best friend and and the joke is that Hobbes was just not listening to any of these complaints or anything and I think that for a, for a Sunday morning strip that's pretty sophisticated humor and I always like stuff like that with yeah there were there were definitely um, echoes of that strip in, in other strips like the, the Christmas one it was a, a regular four or five panel strip that came out on Christmas Day or maybe it was Christmas Eve but the, the gist of it was Calvin and Hobbes wake wake up on Christmas morning and run downstairs and, and um, there's no presents for, for Hobbes and then Calvin gives him a hug and says here this one's for me like it's that kind of stuff um, heartwarming things, you heart, no. heartwarming, heart real things you wouldn't understand. You frozen-hearted fuck. Get out of here. 
So anyway, we spent a lot of time on what influences me and Matt. Paul, who's your biggest fan, uh, favorite artist? I think I know. Tell me, who, who is it? Little guy, small art career back in the early 19, 1930s, I think. Adolf Hitler, is that your favorite guy? <laughs> he had a little too much heart for me. I called some of his work the sensitive sauce. Um, Art-wise, I will cop to Bruce Tim because I'm not an incredibly gifted artist. And even the way Bruce Tim would draw motion and weight is still lost on me, but what I really appreciated was his use of simple line work and everything was clean. Nothing was scratchy, nothing was... No wasted lines. Uh, yeah, nothing was wasted. Everything was used to convey what that character is all about. And not just what they're doing and their emotion, but who they are. And, like, that's something that always spoke to me and something that I always thought, you know what, maybe I could get a handle on this because there's no way I'm going to be able to sit down and draw something like Jim Lee. Like, right. I just don't have the mental vision or the patience to sit down and work this out in the time that I want to work it out in. And we do a twice-weekly comic strip. We're not working at nearly the pace Bill Watterson or Charles Schultz or um, the F-minus guy whose name I forget is working in. But... We're working at a pretty quick pace to get two comic strips out a week. and uh, We also don't do our comic strips as our full-time job. Right. But, yeah, I, like I, I always love the animated series and Justice League and Superman the animated series, Justice League Unlimited. Just the Bruce Timm style of artwork always spoke to me because it's real sharp, it's real clean and crisp. And every, every line was where it was supposed to be. And you know, that's what... That's what inspired me. Year before the animated series, you know, I grew up. I, I would draw these complex pencil portraits with all the shading and you know values and everything. But like now, I just like trying to draw funny stuff. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Timm's style really allows for that. Well, like we said, he doesn't waste any any lines any line he puts on there there's a purpose for it which is a complete contrast to the artists that ian and i admired whenever we first got into comic books guys like mcfarlane mark silvestri rob liefeld the artwork is cross-hatched to death and we i think we used to think well that's really good art look at all the lines on it but you know that's the mind of a 12 year old um but now I think like we can look at something like what Bruce Tim does and be like, oh my God, look at the motion. Look at like just how much movement there is in, in just these simple lines and these simple forms. And to me, that is a, a more impressive feat because I've been able to master neither. But uh, I really believe to do more with less the way the way Bruce Tim does is like just amazing it looks deceptively simple i've tried exactly. to mimic that style and darren cook's style 
millions of times. Right. It is. It's probably more difficult than just putting down those lines and making everything because you know, cross hatching no, it because all. Because there's up no room for that. error. That's with true. Bruce Tim style because it's only one line out you of get, the, You get five lines. Each line needs to go exactly where it's supposed to yeah. go. Yeah. You can't fudge stuff with tiny legs or a crosshatch here or get away with any more mm-hmm. shit. Like, this is what you have to work with. It better be in the right place. And I think... And not the, saying the that The like, art and the Ragnar art is sort of a distant cousin to the Tim stuff because it's all very, it's all very simple. Simply stylized. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all the lines are very clean. Everything's very clear. You could take a Bruce Tim sketch and easily turn it into a Holderman or Ragnar piece of work. Agreed. Depending on what kind of color you use. There, there was one other artist that I should have mentioned before uh, that is in the same vein as these guys, um, and I meant to, to mention him, uh, is Sean Galloway. He goes by Cheeks on online. Um, he has another one of those really, really simple styles. Simple looking, but yet deceptively simple uh, looks. Um, a bit more exaggerated, a little more cartoony, maybe with just a hint of manga to it. Um, but he did some he Teen did. Titans work. He did some Teen Titans work, that's right. Uh, he actually was responsible for the art direction of um, the Spectacular Spider-Man TV show, the cartoon show, which I think most people would agree was the best Spider-Man cartoon. It's pretty great. Uh, what was that, two seasons worth? Quick two seasons. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, that that would be one more influence that I think needed to be mentioned. So thank you for those questions, everybody. Really appreciated it. Helped save our podcast this week, so thank you. Helped save our podcast? We don't reach out for charity. We can do this without any help from outside sources. We can talk about whatever we want. We can talk about Matt's Spider-Man shirt tonight. The Amazing Spider-Man. You want us to do an hour on that shirt right there? The artwork on that shirt? We can do it. What about Ian's Wolverine (laughs) shirt? Which Ian's head completes Wolverine. We could work on that because it's fucking funny. Where the fuck did you even get that? It's amazing. He has a Superman one, too. I do. This one's better, though. Where's that from? It is. You know why I feel it's better? Because when I look at you in both of those shirts, Wolverine is the one that I can... I can come to terms with being black more so than Superman. Because Superman is all-American. Because Superman is a cracker. Wolverine. Did When you watch Man of Steel, Canadian? Did, you, did you see any black people on did they Krypton? Have, I was going to ask that. Did they have black Kryptonians? I've never seen a black Krypton. Well, I feel odd from Earth 2, but does Earth 2 count? It depends on who you ask. Does it count for you? You're uh, the, what do you call it, DC aficionado? No, as far as I know, real universe Krypton is Crackerville. Superman in Man of Steel felt as black as he's ever going to be. He was persecuted. He felt like a man out of time. People hated him. People still hate him. Black to me. That's my Superman. I think you totally turned me around. On your Superman shirt. 
Okay. I'm glad I could do that for you. Similarly to how Tony Stark turns him around. Oh! But they're a... Um, wait, they're not a married couple. They're just out on one hot night. That's right. Well, whatever. That's what I meant. That's, that's your husband. That's okay. He still yeah, turns, my husband. He still turns me around. And then I turn him around. And that's what's great about it. We know how to please each other. But fuck you guys Symbiotic. for killing... We're like for killing my Peter. We're like Spider-Man and Venom. My Petey. Sweet Pete. Over the last couple weeks... There's been Comic-Con, Ant-Man, but during this whole time we've been reading a lot of comic books. And I would like to start this off tonight by saying I've been reading a small book called Captain Canuck. It's by Chapter House Publishing. Ah, Chapter House Publishing. Right? This is probably foreign ground to a lot of you listeners. I I couldn't even tell you what else they publish. Uh, this May, during Free Comic Book Day, they released a preview for number one of Captain Canuck. Relaunching the title, this guy's been around since the 60s. Canada. All Canada. All Canada with this guy. And even with the creation of this book, it's Canadian writers and artists and colorists. The characters are Canadian. It is all Canada all the time. It's just dipped in maple syrup and sent down to the states. Our good friend Dominic and I went to get comic books together on free comic book day, and we both looked at Captain Canuck with derision in the back of our minds. We were like, Captain Canuck, I'll pick up this free book. And then we read it, and we were like, oh, fuck, this is really good. And it is really good. Uh, We're three issues in. At this point, don't think you're going to get any of these back issues at your comic shop because they didn't order enough for anybody. You're going to have to go digital to look for these things. But Captain Canuck is basically Captain America, but he gets his power from an exosuit that he wears that may be grafted onto his skin. I don't really know yet. They're working out the mystery of where he and his brother's powers come from in the book. But three issues in, what really struck me in this third issue was that Kalman Andrzejewski, I believe, is the writer slash artist for the first issue. He's still the writer. He set up the story of Tom Evans, who is Captain Canuck, and his team, J.K. Rowling style. He has a plan. He knows where he's going. He has beats that he wants to hit throughout this arc, throughout this run on this book, and he's leaving you breadcrumbs through these first three issues, and each issue is giving you a little bit more of the story, and it's piecing everything together. It's a little Captain America, it's a little BPRD, it's superheroes, it's supernatural stuff, it's blending both of the things that I love together and even parts, and it all takes place in America's Canada. Ah, uh, the Great White North. No hockey references yet, but I'm holding out hope. There's even a character called Quebec, and she's a sniper, and she's sexy. Have you Ooh. seen that comic book that Image is putting out now with, like, uh, it's very Canadian-based? What am I talking about, Ian? We Stand on Guard. Oh, we yeah, it's a guard. Jeff Lemire product, because yes. Jeff Lemire is Canadian, and he loves... Canada, and that premiered 
right after Captain Canuck premiered, but We Stand on Guard seems like a very imagey type book. It's more of a, it like, I read the preview, it seems like it's more of a satirical title. It's like, what happens if Canada and the U.S. go to war with each other? But, no Captain, but no. Captain Canuck is just a straight-up superhero right. fiction book. It's a lot of fun. It would never really work cool at, characters. at Image Comics because Image it's Comics a, right, can't do it's a superhero book. Yeah, no satire with We Stand on Guard. Still a solid book, but... Did you read it? I did read it. How was it? Tell me. Let's talk Canadian comics. Canadian comics hour. It... It's a it's a pretty straightforward read. Um, nothing really all that special about the artwork. Jeff, Jeff Lemire on as the writer is always pretty pretty good. Um, what happens is America is attacked, and they blame Canada as the South Park guys way back in the day said that you should always do. You follow along. Uh, and America attacks instantly. It reacts instantly. And because wipes, America's douchebags. And wipes out a good chunk of Canadian life. America's Batman. America doesn't say, hey, Superman, did you really attack us? He's just like, let's attack! Didn't Batman see with his own eyes that Superman was doing some stuff? I digress. Did he see? Does I, Batman have... I don't know because none Batman of us have, have watched that movie. Telescopic vision? None of Bruce Wayne can see up into those towers and see who's shooting that heat vision. Regardless, America totally attacked Canada, wiped out a bunch of people. This book is about the resistance that takes place about 20 years after this. So Canada and America have been in a struggle for quite some time. America has developed these gigantic cybernetic mechs that are walking around and eliminating the Canadian resistance. And the first book kind of just details the attack on Canada and then what happens later on with the, the small resistance in the pockets of uprising in the Great White North. It's pretty serious, pretty straightforward. Um, and Lemire is writing that? He's on, he's on that. He seems like he's everywhere. He writes whatever he wants and I don't know if I'm going to come back for the second issue. It wasn't really, it didn't really capture my attention. It seemed just kind of like, okay, so the, we're fighting Canada. Or, or actually, it's told from the vantage point of the Canadians, because America is the bad guy. Well, clearly, we are the bad guys. So, I don't know if I'll go back. Nothing blew me away with the art. The writing is all right. I can find good Jeff Lemire all over the place. I don't need to go to this book. Where else could you find good Jeff Lemire? Did you read anything else by him? I read The Valiant. Him and... What? Matt Kind. The Valiant. The Valiant? The Valiant? Fucking softball pitcher. The Valiant. Shouldn't we? Because this is a confrontational podcast, <laughs> and we're not here to have a... I'm not the bad guy. You made yourself this way. We're not here to have... <gasps> A, a a conversation about a book that we all like, which is The Valiant, which I caught up. You guys read it a couple of months ago. Horrible. Hated it. So I read it this weekend. That is exactly how you do an event book. You keep it 
nice and short and contained. You have a small cast of main characters. You clearly describe the intentions of the villain, and you tell your fucking story with great art, intriguing characters that I didn't. I never thought that I would give a shit about Bloodshot, but holy hell, did I fall in love with that dude. Right? And in The Valiant, you do. He reads like but... a version of the Terminator in The Valiant. But then you need you, but you need to pick up Matt's new favorite book, Bloodshot Reborn, and then I want to hear your... And, and I can understand now your criticism where you don't feel like he's the same character Have that you, you followed Bloodshot along. Reborn? I haven't, but I heard your criticism of it, and I know what happens at the end of The Valiant where he his demeanor would change because of something that happened with him. Um, I like this character. I almost would go back and read the earlier stuff that Matt was champion, champion, championing, 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 probably about a year or two ago, whenever Bloodshot first came back yep. out in Valiant. That was good too. So uh, I'd probably read that stuff. I, I really did like that, but I'm telling you, man, Bloodshot Reborn, it's got the same kind of like... No, it really doesn't have the same tone, but it, it's got the same entertainment quotient as The Valiant. I would be happy to lend those to you. I'll have to check those out. But, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the... So this is Valiant's big event, right? And we're used to Marvel events and DC events that span over all these different books and bring in all these characters and confuse things and you can't follow along... This was nice, short, sweet, streamlined. You followed along maybe maybe five characters and the villain, somewhere around there. All their intentions are laid right out there. You know who everybody is. Fucking Ninjak was cool as Dude, hell. The everybody Valiant was, cool. was The Valiant was such a good read. I forget who the artist was on it. Tell me who uh, that The guy who died. Paola Rivera? The guy who died. Paolo Rivera. Daredevil. Paolo. So good. The story was so good. Holy fuck, was this a great book. I didn't know anything about Valiant. I'm not a 90s comic guy. I didn't read comics until 2001. But I picked up the Valiant. All these characters instantly made sense. Their world made sense. I understood everything. The bad guy, Mr. Flay, super fucking creepy. Everything, yeah, pitch perfect. Jeff Lemire... Uh, Matt, Matt, Kite, Matt Kite, Paolo Rivera. What a great fucking book. Four-issue run. I wish it was longer. It was just the right length. That's what she said. But it was... Or, she never says that. She always says, I wish it was bigger. Yeah, she does. And fatter. But maybe Tony Stark, maybe Bruce Wayne, maybe Peter Parker. Maybe they would say <laughs> that. That's what Bruce Wayne said. Uh... Bruce Wayne said, get was, out of my way. But, I need to hunt down the Joker. Yeah, but I really Bruce believe... Because he's not going to want to put it in my ass every night. But when he does, it's just bat fucking... He never wants to fucking do that. He's obsessed with catching the Joker. It... What I liked was that, uh, that it was as short as it was because I felt like you were able to get down to the story. It wasn't over bloated like the Marvel and DC events are always. And, and it just... Like, you could just read it. Like, there wasn't 
I feel like there wasn't some kind of weird investment that you had to like, you know, make with, with this series. It was it just was what it was, and it was enjoyable from start to finish. Um, I think that Matt Kite and Jeff Lemire should be the architects at <gasps> Valiant because Don't pull that Marvel horseshit. Because these guys get it. They know how to treat these characters, and I think they are really on to something with this Matt company. Matt Kine writes Ninjak, right? Correct. I read he, Ninjak number one. I know nothing about Ninjak. I know he's a corny 90s ninja character, but Matt Kine made it really fucking cool. Dude, I um, really dug that book. Man, I, you don't like this writer. Uh, I believe it's Robert Vendetti. Vendetti. I, I do not. He writes Exo Manowar, which I like. Which was and the accolades he got from that book is why he's been writing Green Lantern for okay. the last couple years. Well, he was the writer that introduced the, the current version of Ninjak in the current Valiant Universe, which is completely unrelated to the stuff from the 90s. Um, but when they brought Ninjak in for the first time... He's just a regular guy, but he fights the Exo Man of War, which is this guy in like a kind of like an Iron Man type suit, but it's alien tech and it's And he also is like a Viking warrior as well, right? Right. So yeah. he's that extra He's kinda of like a time traveling yeah, right. He like was pulled out of his time and he donned this armor and now he fights the good fight in our time. So Exo Man of War. Yeah. So Exo Man of War ends up having like a, a battle against Ninjak and what's so cool about Ninjak is he doesn't he's kind of like Batman like he doesn't even blink the fact that he's fighting a super powered guy that could like snap his fingers and defeat him but like Ninjak like gives him a fight it was pretty cool but here's what I really like about Ninjak he's not crazy super brooding obsessed like Batman he's a normal dude he understands he has ultra human abilities he can do shit that other people can do and he enjoys it he makes money off of it he has a big fucking castle he likes his life he's having a good time being ninjack and that's what i love so maybe my spirit animal would be ninjack no 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 no, no. that's not the question if it comes down to marrying bruce wayne or ninjack who are you going with ninjack Bruce, no, I still go with Bruce Wayne because Ninjak will really? fuck me all the time. Shallow motherfucker. I can't you just that. talked the, the high heavens about Ninjak and how he no, was a regular and, dude. Me and Bruce kind of dude that I could, I don't know, maybe settle down with. <laughs> no, me and Bruce, he have an understanding. He's going to go obsess over being Batman and I'm going to go fuck some strange. We're all good. Ninjak would be like, I'm coming home tonight and I'm going to put it in you. And I'd be like, fuck. Really? Matt, what books have you been reading? Well, uh... Valiant, clearly! Well, the Mike Sauce Valiant podcast! Well, I don't want to break precedent here, so yeah, I read some Valiant stuff. I read Bloodshot... Fuck, I forget what it's called when I get it out. Reborn? Bloodshot Reborn. You just said it! I, no, yeah. no, no. Is this something different? Bloodshot, yeah. the little depressed Bloodshot? The It's a spinoff of the Book of Death. Um, the Fall of Bloodshot. Yeah, so it's basically his final story, and it tells basically how Bloodshot dies. Like Old Man Bloodshot. It's totally Old Man Bloodshot, but it's told in one volume, 
and it's done. It's a one shot. Uh, it's written by Lemire. Got it's got art by Doug Braithwaite. It's a pretty good looking book. Um, Isn't Doug Braithwaite the '70s guy? He's an old Green Lantern guy, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. Oh, yeah, I need you to pass that over here. This uh, this story was good, and boy, did it have a fucking good ending. The real question is, how is Jeff Lemire writing all this stuff? You know why? Because all these places are like, here's your paycheck. And he's like, I'll get it done, sir. Mm-hmm, yes, um. Yes, um, that's I'll get that, Buddha. I'm that's pretty Jeff sure Lemire that starts. Jeff Lemire is not... That's how he's getting all uh, that shit done. I don't know. He's not a slave from America, and I, he's just a regular Canadian gentleman. I think mm-hmm, they've tried that tactic. I'll get that done. They've tried that tactic with guys like J. Scott Campbell and Jim Lee, and it doesn't work. I think Lemire just wants to make comic books because he's really fucking good at it. Okay. So, Paul, you're, you're looking at the, the Fall of Blood shot. I think you're halfway done with it. Did you like it so far? You know what? I wish they would stop giving Bloodshot the weird double parts in his hair. Oh, Where it goes up his... from each of his eaves. I know it's a thing, but we get rid of characters' things. Superman's underwear used to be his thing. We did away with that. Let's just give Bloodshot a regular haircut. He doesn't need two fucking parts of both of his eaves. Maybe they're scars and hair doesn't grow there. What I really like is the way artists draw the circle on his chest. Like it's a circle of skin that's been taken out. And it's kind of a 3D, we're looking at some open wound, but it's really not. It's kind of gross, kind of creepy, I like it at the same time. Uh, this Braithwaite stuff's kind of, some of it's kind of sloppy, but... <laughs> As he thumbs through it more. It's a good looking book. Even better, it was a good read. It was really well, it's, interesting. It's Jeff Lemire. It's... Cash that check, Lemire. It was it was Getting really it interesting to see. It's amazing how he's slamming somebody that has been producing such high quality, <laughs> beloved books that he sat here and talked. You know what? The praises I feel of like it. You two are just fucking jerking each other's shit all fucking night. Someone needs to set this off. You guys are like, oh, oh, yeah. Let me get that shit. Let me get that shit. Let me get that Calvin option. But what is it so good? Someone needs to be confrontational. Someone needs to make this interesting, or else it's going to be fucking Watterson Lemire Fest 2015. Ironic that you like both of those creators as well. You agree with everything that we're saying, but you're just purposely being confrontational and argumentative. I might say that somebody on this podcast usually gets blamed for doing that. Bill Watterson, fantastic talent. Amazing. Jeff Lemire. Fantastic. Jeff Lemire, he does some great work. Doug Braithwaite, there's some really, there's some Robert Liefeld level shit in this book. Let me see. Like this, I, I, I understand it's supposed to be perspective, but that tiny little leg, that tiny little right leg back there and that tiny little right hand up at the front. And that's just one example of the weird perspective shit going on in that book. But it's, you know, 
I don't know. I started reading Bloodshot Reborn, and I wasn't a big fan of Lemire's Bloodshot Reborn. Knowing that Jeff Lemire has done a lot of shit that I like, maybe yeah. Bloodshot's just not my guy. You know... You know how much that actually bothers me? Zero. Zero. None. It's really fucking good looking. Here, you can None. look at it, Ian. Because Here, let me you're look like, at you it. know what? Proper well, perspective and proper artwork doesn't matter so long as the energy is present. Let me read this while Paul just fights with us about nonsense. How about that? What do you want? What do you do? You want me to wrap it up, or, or, or are we ready for more fighting? I think that we should probably wrap it up. I think we're done tonight. I think Thanks we... to everyone for listening tonight. We appreciate it. My name is Paul McGinty. Ian Sharpley. Matt the Valiant Cassell. Right? Say it. Nobody can say, say it, it better. Say it with the middle name. That's say it. Oh, I have to say, repeat what you said. Do it. Matt the Valiant Cassell. Wait, I think I put the wrong <laughs> emphasis on it. It's Matt the Valiant Cassell. Matt the Valiant Cassell? No, Matt Daddy, you just ruined it. We'll see you next time. again because immediately after we stopped recording the bulk of the podcast everyone's favorite artist and jeans model rob liefeld got back to us via twitter about what he's gonna do with matt's artwork that has been languishing in his studio, maybe, or his art bags who knows May. purgatory perhaps artwork purgatory right right so, <laughs> all right. Here's here's the tweet we got from one Rob Liefeld, and he said in in response to the message that we sent at the beginning of the show, he said, "Tucked it into my art bag. See you then." And then I get dot 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 with "see you then," but. Technically, it was dot dot comma, so you kind of fucked up. <laughs> so we will be seeing Rob Liefeld in Pittsburgh with my artwork. What's wrong with that is that a month ago he said that it was he was shipping it, it was on its way. Well, he must have had it in his pile to go to the post office tomorrow. He grabbed it out of the pile and was like. You know what? I'll save on shipping. I thought I was going to send this tomorrow. He just got this message in the nick of time. Now it's in his art bag. I'm sure it's tucked safely in there right now as we speak on July 27th, 2015 at 11.23 p.m.
I can't wait till the first day of Wizard World Pittsburgh in late September. Early September. September 11th. September 11th. Ah, uh, like, that will live in infamy. But he's like, who are you? Yeah, right. I will... And then we're going to show him This is what you need to do. Took. <laughs> this is remember what... Remember me, this guy. Yeah, the, remember the, one of the worst pictures ever taken with you? We're, we're not going to have to show him the picture because what we need to do is have a t-shirt made with that picture on the front so when you go and greet him and then on the back it's going to be all your Twitter conversations just like the cities that his tour has stopped at. And a picture of the artwork on the sleeve and then the Mixos logo on the other sleeve and that that is our advertisement and we'll give him one too. I made this for you. It's our dealings so, with this. So I think this our thing, odyssey. The, the reason why this is agitating, the the reason is if there's one reason. But the 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 latest newest reason is that he's basically full of shit. He told us it's <laughs> it's being shipped to you, and that was a month ago. Obviously, that was bullshit. Today he says it's being tucked in my bag. Do, do we believe this? My guess is it's not in his bag right now. I can't wait until you get a totally different Savage Dragon drawing. Because little does he know. saw on Instagram three months ago. We right. know what it's supposed to look like. Right. How many people asked him to draw the Savage Dragon? Probably no one. Not too many. Nobody. Not too many. Well, I, I, th I think the question we probably need to answer first is... Is Matt going to get any drawing in <laughs> September? Um, do you think you're going to get anything? Um, yeah, I do. I do. You know what? If I go up to him, I, I, even if he doesn't remember me, I'm the Savage Dragon sketch guy. Even if he didn't bring it, I, I think he's oh. obligated to draw me something. Well, he right, can't. Right. I mean, like, he knows what this situation is, providing he's the one that's been in charge of his Twitter. Right. Like, he knows He's in charge is. of his Twitter. And I this, follow him. This, him. this tweet tonight that said, hey, just bring it to me in Pittsburgh, probably lifted the weight off of his shoulders, and he's like, oh, fuck, fuck. I can put this in my bag and just take it to Pittsburgh and then I'm done with this now, asshole. But knowing what we know about Rob Liefeld, that's not going to happen. No. No, he will have we know. He forgot. He, he forgot the, original, the second that he hit The Zen. original is already gone. Yeah. The original? It was sold for $400 at an art auction. It probably got accidentally thrown away. Right. Or some, like, he didn't make any off, anything off of that original, I bet. It's just, it, it's it, just gone. It probably he didn't took make, him 20 minutes. He didn't make double off of it, is what you meant, because he already did make some money. So right now, he's like, oh, I have until September 11th. I have about, I have a little over two months to draw this new Savage Dragon. For this fucking numb nuts that keeps biting my ass about this, this picture. Twitter pester. Well, September 10th, he's gonna pull in to the fucking double tree in wait, downtown wait, Pittsburgh. Wait, wait, wait. You don't think he's gonna be at the double tree? He has. No. He. <laughs> he has already forgotten that he has to do the Savage Dragon sketch. 
He's not gonna even know until he sees me walk up and he's like, And he's gonna pull, oh my god! He's gonna pull shit out of his bag and start drawing furiously. (laughs) That goes to where I was going. Like, you know, he's, he got this text, this tweet from you tonight. He's like, oh, I've got, I've got a little over a month to get this done. Right. Easy fucking easy. Day one of Wizard World Pittsburgh. First ever Wizard World show in Pittsburgh is gonna come upon him. And he's gonna be having a good time signing autographs, signing buttons for people that aren't available to get the buttons. Signing Levi's jeans. He's gonna have a great time and we're gonna roll up to the table. We're gonna pretend we're not there to get something promised to us three months ago. And then he's gonna look up from his work and be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) This guy. And you know what I'll say? Yeah, then you're going to strangle him with your bare hands. I'm going to say, remember me? <laughs> let, let me. If you don't remember, let me see if I can help you. And then make that same face I made in that picture. <laughs> what an amazing picture you took. You took the worst picture ever. You have no business wielding a camera. <laughs> iPhone politics, picture taking politics state. You take like three quick pictures. Tap, 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 tap. And then done. So his face can relax during the smile. We're getting a new picture. That's a given. Getting a new Pittsburgh Did picture with him. you want Bob a Hill. picture with him, though? Like, you hate him, though, oh, right? Oh, yeah, we do. Yes, yeah. we do. I want a picture with him, though. I'm like, man, you tortured my buddy. Come here. And we're getting an interview. We are getting an interview. We're going, I think we we're deserve going one. group strong. It's I think we be deserve one. The three of us, Dominic and Rob Liefeld. And a picture. We're getting an interview, a picture, maybe even a second commission. Who knows? We're getting shit out of this deal. You know? And here's here's another point, question, uh, dangling plot thread, if you will. I paid him $15 for shipping. Oh, shit! He didn't have to ship it. But he may be getting a commission in $15. Unless he counts putting it in his art bag and taking it with him on the airplane as shipment. Shipping. Pay for that ticket. For me and you, Ian, this is going to be so awkward. I know. After he just listed off his demands like a new commission, I started getting uncomfortable. I was like, oh no. I don't want to be there when he tells me he owes him another commission. $15? No. Oh, was that the first time I feel like I have to be there again? Like, weasel out of it. I'm be like, I'll just, I'm getting sick and I'll just watch the booth while you guys uh, go over there. Maybe I'll just make nice with Rob Liefeld's lackey while Matt's conducting business. We're getting an interview. <laughs> We're going to talk about the this commission saga. We're going to talk about his upcoming comic books. I don't want to talk about Deadpool because that be, seems to be the only thing he wants to talk about. It would be so funny if he would acquiesce to talking about the commission saga. And the going back and forth, and he, like comedically hearing his side of it, like, that would be so fucking great. But I just he would think win he's me back because for a while after he came back from Philly Comic Con, I was kind of on board with Rob Liefeld. I was like, yeah, you know, we were too. He was great. You Dynamic. Went, you went to battle. On I Facebook. did. I got destroyed for like a good week about 
hey, you guys need to ease up on him, and people were hating. I was like, I didn't even meet the guy, but he fucking signed my button, motherfuckers. He signed my button. So you need to chill out. So what? He gives everybody man tits and little heads. Who gives a fuck? (laughs) Oh, I love man tits and little heads. That's what I get from Bruce Wayne. That's his favorite maneuver. So, uh, yeah, the whole $15, I don't know how the hell I breached that topic. Is that $15 just gone? It's fucking gonzo. You flushed that shit down the toilet. Then if my $15 is gone for something he never shipped and he lied to me about... Oh, and he lied, by the way, on Twitter when he fucking said... Somebody asked him... Uh, are you doing any more commissions? I saw this and I was like, what the fuck? And, and this was this was within the last week and a half. He said, I haven't done a commission in five months. I'm just finishing up existing Philly ones. Philly was three months ago. Right. He can't fucking count. He has that Paul McGinty calculator. Not only did he do my commission, he made it a point to let me know he did 16 others because they got, all got picked up by... People at the Philly Con, I was the only dumbass that didn't pick their shit Are up. Are you sure you're dealing with the real Rob Liefeld and not Bob Liefeld, his <laughs> evil brother? What's that? That's technically his name. I should call him that. Hey, what's up, Bob? Bob. Hey, Bobby L. What aggravates me about this is that we were vendors at Philadelphia Comic Con. Yeah. But. So then he's like, well, 16 other people made it over to the thing. It's hard to say, well, without sounding douchey yourself, to say, well, you know what? We are also artists. We were also a vendor. I was working. I was working. Because then there's a, I'm Rob Liefeld. I had a jeans ad. I'm a founder of Image Comics. And we're like, well, you know, we're a pretty cool podcast with some art prints to sell. But, like, we're also working. But, like, to bring that up, to be like, look, I wasn't there because I was fucking lazy. It's because I had fucking business to take care of. So you should fucking help a brother out a little bit and send me my fucking artwork that I paid for. I agree, and I think that's the drum I was beating three months ago, but I'm actually, I like the idea of being able to have him hand it to me in person in, what what is it, two months from now? Well, Ian's going to take the picture of Rob Liefeld, you, the artwork in between. Yes. I'm not taking that picture. It's, you are going to be in the fucking picture with me, because you were there when this Commission was commissioned, and the you're commission commission. You are a fucking part of this. Ah, uh, Rob Liefeld. He's, he's, he was he was awesome. Now that bums me out so bad. You know, you met the guy. You've yeah. seen his Twitter and everything. He's a little hyper. He's got a lot of energy. A lot of irons in the fire. A lot of irons in the fire. He seems maybe a bit scatterbrained. When he said, I haven't done a commission in five months... Maybe think before you type that tweet. Do you think he was lying or just mistaken? Because I want to lean toward the latter. 
seems like he's just mistaken. Right. But yeah. he seems to be mistaken a lot. Don't give me hard eyes again. I was just agreeing. I wasn't there. I don't know. Those were the hardest eyes. Were they the hardest eyes? Let me see. How did you do it? I was doing this. No, it's just eyes. No, were they? You softened that up. No, they were big eyes. Well, sharply. I'll do it into the camera. Big eyes. Is the camera off? I think it turned off. Jesus Christ. We taped for like two hours. We're recording this. At least we have the audio. Right. And folks, trust me, those eyes were fucking huge. I'm, I'm excited. Rob Liefeld's coming to Pittsburgh. He agreed tonight to give you your sketch it's then. It's right there. It shouldn't have been in the mail, even though you should have received it three weeks ago. Ethan I... Manscarver's going to be at Pittsburgh, too. And I would like a reprieve <laughs> <laughs> from being totally starstruck in front of him. <laughs> So you want to go back up to Ethan Van Skyver? Do you remember me from Philadelphia? Is that what you're going to say? I don't want to go back because he's not going to remember. He does so much shit. He didn't retweet any of our stuff. So he is he dead to you are. now? That's no chance. That he's, so fu- he's so funny. That's a like, chance you take whenever, person. whenever you talk to people that are famous and you idolize them you could get burned i didn't get the full story like i, I just i follow him on twitter i don't know why he was in this place i don't even know so, why the, where the place is but he was recreating scenes in the place from cindy Lauper's time after time video because I, he, he was in the town that it was filmed in here's the question That's do we respond funny. to rob liefeld and start planting the seeds now Awesome. See you then. Any chance we can get an interview for our podcast that weekend? While we're talking, you know, we're already, we're communicating. We already have this thing. I, he knows I spent money. This open line of communication. I or, or do I go there first thing as soon as he gets there and be like, Rob, let's do an interview. If I can plan ahead, maybe... That helps us land this interview. Maybe planning ahead would be best. Should should I wait a little while, or do I respond right now? Let's do an interview. Or do I wait as we get closer to the... Wait a little bit. Con. I say wait. Okay, well, Patience wait. might be a virtue here. Do, do I respond to this and be like, awesome, or do I put this in my pocket? And put this in your pocket. Okay. All right. And just, just walk with it. Okay. So, Rob Liefeld. We are going to have some Rob Liefeld interactions. Well, we are, but we don't know if they're going to be recorded. I mean, like, one of us can roll up with the recording device in our pocket while all this is happening. Paul, you can film it with your phone and pretend you're texting someone at eye level. Yeah, I can do that. That can, that can happen. That's or we can have somebody roll up that isn't part of our group, say Dominic or someone that's outside, he's not with us, and he's just kind of recording off. uh... Who? Okay, let's... No, I want to do this legit. Okay. I feel like if we go early day one, Rob, this is Matt, we've got rapport, we've been through a lot of shit (laughs) over the last three months no yeah, by, by the time September comes 
It will have been nearly half a year. We've been in the trenches this together. This is such an odyssey. We have a podcast. You are a fan favorite of ours. Could we spare you for 10 minutes this weekend? At your discretion, just to talk to you for a little bit. I feel like we would need to strike your immediately. Yeah. That's well, what that's, I said. That's what we'll do. Early. First no, I mean, thing. like, can we spare you for 10 minutes, like, fucking now? Well, that, that's where we, we went wrong with Ethan Van Skyver. We should have did it first thing, but we did it last day. And he when was he was out. He was burned out. He was run. He had a bunch of commissions to get through. We need to hit Liefeld early. I feel like if we hit Ethan Van Skyver early, because when I talked to him by myself early on the first day, Van Skyver was personable. He was telling great stories. He was amazing. But by the time we got him, I was like, I gotta get this fucking shit done. Get away, little podcasters. Yeah. So yeah, we gotta strike hard, strike early. Liefeld, this is me, Matt. Let's do this. Matt Stark. Yeah, Matt Stark. I'm a millionaire, billionaire. I married into it.